Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. Please like, subscribe, and share. In this third segment of our interview with Peter Cadence, Pete shares his views on the business world and its social responsibility. He discusses holding corporations responsible and understanding the collective impact of our consumer and business habits, as well as the social determinants of one's health. Pete also gives his take on what he calls the lives improved metric and how this could help determine the level of positive effects that a corporation has on its employees and their communities. Peter Cadence currently serves as the chairman of the Cadence Family Foundation, a charitable organization dedicated to closing the pervasive wealth and education gaps in the United States. He retired in 2018 as the CEO of Green Thumb Industries, one of the largest publicly traded legal cannabis operators in the United States with the current market capitalization of over $3 billion. Peter believes deeply in and actively leads organizations that seek to transform the lives and strengthen communities, such as serving as a chairman of Streetwise from 2009 to 2018. Streetwise is one of the largest homeless aid organizations in Chicago. He currently serves as a chairman emeritus at Streetwise still, and sits on several other boards in the nonprofit and for-profit space. Peter Cadence was awarded the Trailblazer Chicago Award by the CARA program in 2019, the Catalyst Man of the Year by Streetwise in 2015, the Distinguished Alumnus for Citizenship in 2010 by his college alma mater, Bucknell University, where he earned his Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science, and a Distinguished Alumnus by his high school, Ottawa Hills High in Toledo in 2019. He was also named one of the 40 under 40 by Chicago Cranes Business in 2012. Peter Kiddens is a 2019 Henry Crown Fellow of the Aspen Institute. We're grateful to have him on. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Gin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail your spirit has been longing for. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. For you then in starting this business where you're working in cannabis, then like you came in it not only as an opportunity, like we were talking about earlier, but you saw the bigger picture consequences of that. So I suppose when you think about, you know, the business community, how often do you find people working from that mindset? What would you say about that? Or how do you encourage other people to develop a mindset to think about how their businesses, you know, maybe can be in the way that you saw it as being transformative on a major social problem? Fortunately, very few people actually think of their businesses beyond the realm of appeasing shareholders, right? Uh, or appeasing their own financial interests. And, um, you know, they, they do, you know, corporate social responsibility because they're called upon to do so, or they feel it's the right thing to do, or you know, shareholders request it, but, you know, corporate social responsibility is bullshit, right? Like it, it shouldn't be, have to be called anything. There shouldn't be a, 
a moniker for like doing right. It should just be like how you operate. But here's the problem. And, 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 and then here's the solution. The problem is that we as shareholders, both public company and private shareholders, private company shareholders, and analysts and bankers, and just as a community at large, we have not held our business owners and operators and executives to a higher standard. We hold them when, when, when public companies report their earnings, it's, you know, we want to know what their profit margins were. We want to know what their EBITDA was. We want to know what their revenue was. We want to know what their quarter over quarter annual growth was. That's what we're looking for, right? And then if we like what we hear, we buy more of the stock and the stock goes up. If we don't like how their profit, you know, how, what their profit was versus expectations, we sell their stock, the stock goes down. We're driving our corporate executives to do the wrong things. Mm -hmm. All we want them to do is drive profit. We are sending them that message that that's all we care about. So what we have to do is we have to integrate other metrics into corporate America. The metric that I'm using for the businesses that I'm starting or involved in or investing in now is what I call the lives improved metric. And I think that the lives improved metric should be a metric that is very heavily weighted and that every single corporate executive should be required to present and discuss when they're on their, you know, their, their analyst call. You know, how many people in your employee base did you lift out of poverty? How many people went from the lowest quintile of income to the second to lowest quintile of income? How many people earned an education? How many people earned equity? which is arguably the one way to create generational wealth that never had equity in anything before. Um, you know, like these are the metrics that we need to hold our corporate executives accountable by, accountable to. And until we do that, they will only deliver to the standards that we hold them accountable to. So mm -hmm. if all we care about is profit and revenue, that's all they're going to deliver. And they, on the margins, they might do some bullshit corporate social responsibility stuff to, you know, appease whoever, but that's, you know, we have to create the lives improved metric as a driving force, as a catalyst for these businesses, not just as, as one of these adjunct things. It's like, it's a nice to have because, um, you know, like, you know, the universe likes us to, you know, be corporate socially responsible. That's bullshit. Um, you know, it's in what they do, by the way, here's what big corporations do. They, they have a diversity initiative. So they hire a black person to be their chief diversity officer. And then they look around and all their board directors are white. So they bring on a token black person onto the board. And then most of them are male. So they bring on another female onto the board. It's like, so you're not, I, I just have to give it like a news flash, these big corporations. You aren't changing the world by bringing a rich, educated black man onto your board of directors. Okay. Like that is not, that is not diversity. You know, you change the world by taking people who are in, you know, um, who are in, you know, sitting in terrible conditions in underserved communities and giving them a lifeline to create generational wealth. Because the truth is, is that the only thing that replaces generational poverty is the creation of generational wealth. I don't care what anyone says. You know, no one is going, you know, all these politicians, I'll get my diatribe soon. I know this is a long one. All these politicians, they go around in that campaign about jobs, jobs, jobs. I say jobs are bullshit because you know what? No one, it's, it, Chicago's an expensive city to live in. No one's getting a job paying 19 bucks an hour, which is quite a bit more than minimum wage plus benefits and going back down to Englewood and reinvesting their community. Still a very Darwinian wage. 
So if you want people to go back into their communities and reinvest in those communities, you have to help them create generational wealth. You have to give them a path to grow, to become a senior executive, to become a CEO, to make millions of dollars. Uh, and so as a society, we need to hold our corporate executives accountable to those standards. You know what? If you're a rich white male CEO, you should be working on identifying people who are working as junior analysts, janitors, who are underserved members of the, of the you know, the, the, the people of color community and figure out what is their pathway to take my job someday. That is the truest form of diversity and corporate, corporate social responsibility. We got to hold them accountable to those standards. I guess it gets to the, the, the question we were talking about off mic beforehand, which I guess I'll throw out, right? Um, there's uh, this Canadian philosopher named John Ralston Saul. And he has this phrase that says that we are in the midst of a corporate coup d'etat in slow motion. That in the course of our lifetimes, my lifetime going from Reagan forward, because that was sort of my political and social coming of age moments were under Reagan, right? That's kind of the age bracket that I'm in. Um, you know, there's this, I wasn't even sure as I was thinking about how to even ask you about this, Pete. So I thought about for a while, you know, someone comes along like you, you have a different model of business, you have a different model of what you're trying to do with your life, you know, and, and I'm, but against the backdrop of this, there's this huge corporate problem that we have in this country. Daniel and I aren't even really trying to do a political podcast, but we want to be honest. And, you know, so there's no other way really to talk about it. I don't even think that's a political statement anymore. We have this huge corporate hierarchy. There's this kind of vacuuming up of wealth and, uh, and if we want to deal with the problems that we're talking about in terms of race or in terms of environmental problems, you know, uh, I, I, there's a certainly an analysis that would say that that's something that has to be dealt with. And so I was just curious how you feel about that as an observation, does that seem true to you? And then I was thinking about it as someone who knows business in a way that I'm never gonna know business, you're you know, an in person who knows this, what could be done to kind of evolve that in a new direction? You know, obviously you've come up a way, a way of doing that with your life and your career, but you know, is there a way to translate that out? So, you know, or what would be involved in that? I know it's kind of a funny question, but it's, it's the one that pops into mind. It, it, two things, one is going back to my last point around having metrics that hold people accountable to standards that we're really trying to, to achieve as a society, I mean, look, the corporate executives in America control like 85% of the wealth in this country. Okay. So like if you, if you, if you want to change, you know, you know, if you want to change the nature of capitalism, which, it, you know, at least in America today has just been constructed to drive, you know, purely avaricious outcomes. You have to change the way we measure capitalistic intent. You have to change the way we measure these corporate executives. So, you know, that's number one, they're going to, these are, these are smart, capable people. They will perform to the metrics that you give them. We're just giving them the wrong metrics to perform to. That's number one. Number two, there has to be a more, more than a surface level understanding of what I call collective impact, which means that, um, that, that you know, all the key stakeholders in a community have to be at the table and they all are interdependent upon one another succeeding. So what I mean by that is this, let me give you an example. Um, you know, you rarely see uh, a nonprofit that's focused on environmental consciousness or, or, or um, eliminating pollution in a community. You rarely see them at a table with, um, with a homeless, with an executive, a CEO of a homeless shelter. Uh, or uh, you rarely see that environmentally conscious nonprofit at a table with uh, 
someone who's focused on the education space. But they need to be because these are all so interdependent and so connected. You know, for example, you know, there's something called social determinants of health, which means that when you're poor, you're more likely to also be unhealthy for any number of reasons. But one of the reasons is because when you're poor, you usually live in communities that are heavily polluted. And so your incidence of cancer and all sorts of other diseases, COPD, multiple sclerosis, all this other shit that has some sort of like, you know, environmental cause to it, you're more apt to get that because you're living in a polluted environment. Similarly, if you're very poor and you're homeless, you're going to be living in a very polluted environment and exposed to pollutants. And so like, you know, and similarly, if you're uneducated, you know, um, you don't know what it means to be nourished. You don't understand nutrition. You don't know that the refinery three blocks away is, you know, spewing out carcinogens that could impact the rest of your life, right? So like all these things are so interconnected. And so I think it's incumbent upon corporate executives to not only be held accountable to different metrics, but also to be held accountable to bringing their community members together. Community members who on the surface have nothing to do with one another, a environmental conscious nonprofit versus a, a homeless shelter and a education organizations should never sit at the same table. There's no reason to, but there is. And it's, it's, it's incumbent upon corporate executives and community to have the power the influence and the money to sit these people down in a collective impact oriented way and have discussions about how we all collaborate and work together for the greater good. And that to me is how corporate executives can put themselves to better use in this country um, through what I call collective impact. So how is the, I mean, how is the, I don't know if the right word is pressure. How is the pressure put on people where the whole system is kind of set up not to necessarily encourage them to do that? There's a lot of power within that group of people. How do you start changing that? I mean, I'm not that it's an obvious answer, but you're going to look at that from a very deep perspective, obviously, because you're within this world and you understand it. How, how do you think you start to get changes in people's minds and their ways of thinking about this? I think in part, you're trying to do that in your work. You're calling, you're basically calling out other people who are involved in the same kind of work as you are and saying, hey, let's do this. I am. Um, I think that it's a combination of holding them accountable to different metrics, as I've already said. I think it's a there's gonna be some shame that, that happens here. Sometimes managing through fear works and shaming people into doing the right thing works. And you know, we need our corporate executives, our big time corporate executives to step up and say, you know, you know, we need them to say to the little, the smaller companies, like you all need to step up. You need to participate. You need to, you know, I always remind people in like 2007, 2008, I forget exactly what it was. We over a period as a community came together very quickly as a corporate community here in Chicago to raise like $150 million for a horribly failed Olympic bid. Right. I don't know if you remember that. But for like, sure. In, in like, in like six weeks, we raised $150 million to try and get the Olympics. And by the way, everyone except for Mayor Richard Daly Jr. at the time knew that it was a, we were never gonna win. So it was like all blown money. But it just goes to show that when the community gives a shit and when the corporate community gets on board, there's power. And so if we, if we sat down with the corporate executives and we told them, you know, and the mayor told them or the other people, you know, like, hey, look, if you want permits from our city, if you want zoning from our city, if you want, um, if you want all the rights and opportunities that the broad shoulders of the city of Chicago present you, 
fall in line with charitable, important, substantive work. You cannot just come into this community and fleece us for, you know, for, you know, our, 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 our beautiful skyline and our, um, uh, and our, and our great labor force. You must give back or else we're not going to give you the permit that you need to build your building, you know, build your headquarters. And so I, I think there's just, at every step along the way, people with influence have to hold other people accountable. And if you don't want to play the game, go somewhere else. Go to a city where they don't have morals, where they don't care about their underserved communities and they don't care about their disinvested communities. But here, if you want to be a Fortune 500 company located here, you must invest in disinvested communities and people or else we don't want you. That's just got to be the standard that we measure companies by. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. For any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover on the show, please email us at ginandtantra at gmail.com. For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. to get together.